I'd like to welcome everyone to the Pacific Institute's Kitchen Table. The intent of the Kitchen Table is to provide a platform where we are able to share and discuss the dynamic world of cognitive science and the specific role it plays in performance. I'd like to introduce our co-hosts, Greg Coughlin and Ron Medved from the Pacific Institute. They have over four decades of experience working with hundreds of organizations on applying cognitive psychology and science. Pull up a chair, let's get started. Welcome back to the Pacific Institute's Kitchen Table. I'm here with Ron Medved, and we're still in the process of sort of telling the story of the Pacific Institute. And we left off with the 70s and 80s and 90s and, and just beginning into 2000s. Uh, Ron, let me throw the ball to you is that you had left the Institute for seven years and came back in the beginning of 2000, the year 2002 or 2003. What was going on at the Institute? You would have, you know, it probably would have been really cool to be able to kind of step out and step back in and see what had changed and what was significant. What did, what, give us a, a little bit of your, your insight, your recollection, your, your, your history. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly sort of what I hope we could talk about a little bit. Uh, when I came back to the Pacific Institute, it was, you know, one of the reasons why is because it's not easy being a, a freelance consultant, sort of uh, living by your wits and, you know, without a safety net for seven years. And that's pretty much what I did. And so I, I kind of ran my course on that. I also missed the Pacific Institute. I mean, I missed the Pacific Institute's community. Uh, I, 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 I like to be in a community. I like to be on a team. And so uh, Lou and I you know, had some conversations. Interestingly, uh, John McNeil had uh, uh, a vice president position and John was uh, wanting to move on and do something else. And so uh, I came in and I, took over for John, which was basically managing uh, the project directors in North America. That, I was a business development vice president for North America. And th at that time, there was about 100 uh, project directors all, all across Canada and North America and starting to happen down in, down in, in Mexico as well. Um, you know, it, it's... Um, uh, I, as I look back on it, I mean, I came in at a very fortuitous time for me because there was a lot of momentum at the Institute. You know, the Institute had a lot of cool things that were going, the international conferences were still happening. And, and you know, when I first came back, there was a big international conference that I remember attending. Lou was getting ready to make a new curriculum, uh, which was, uh, uh, a, a later version of investment in excellence. And, and actually it was one of the, well, I mean, it, arguably it was sort of the, maybe the, the, the most excellent sort of job of teaching, creating a video curriculum that Lou ever made. And that was in, that he did that in 2005. At the same time, uh, John McNeil, one of the things that he had done is that he'd gone in sort of with Lou uh, started working on a better LA, which uh, 
which included uh, Coach Pete Carroll, who was at that time down at the University of Southern California. But a better LA project was this marvelous uh, endeavor where uh, using Pete Carroll's credibility, Lou's credibility, uh, the clients that we had in the Southern California area, uh, basically to put a project together to reduce gang violence in the Los Angeles area. And so we, we came up with a program that, you know, we, where we actually gave our education away to the inner city, gave it away to the institutions that served the inner city. Uh, and it was, a it was a marvelous project, uh, and very successful. Uh, and, and actually, you know, even <laughs> charity sometimes leads you to, uh, you know, uh, good, good things like even more business. So we ended up doing more business with the public sector down there as a consequence of sort of this, this, you know, charitable project, you know, that we are involved in. And anyway, it's a marvelous story. Uh, and, uh, and we even, you know, got to the point where we were training uh, gang members, you know, from gangs in Los Angeles to f actually facilitate our education. So, so that I, I was not involved in that so much, but that was a big project that was going on sort of in parallel, you know, with uh, what I was doing. I, I think that supporting uh, a cadre of a hundred project directors uh, is, is, is some days it's like herding cats. And in other days, you know, my, my job was to, to do the best to maintain and, and sometimes create a positive culture for them, you know, to work in. So uh, that could be as simple as just making sure that they felt that the organization was responsive to them. You know, that, that if, if they called, you know, someone was going to return their call. Uh, you know, I did quite a bit of traveling, you know, to visit project directors, see them on their own turf. I remember coming up to Saskatchewan, as a matter of fact, as sort of part of those duties. And uh, anyway, you and I developed a pretty, well, that's when our relationship really started in earnest uh, because we would talk regularly on the phone and, you know, you'd use me as the sounding board. And, and I was interested in what you were doing creatively, you know, with your projects. And so I, 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 had lots of relationships kind of like that, none better than yours and mine, Greg, I don't think, but the, the, that, you know, I've, I found ways to sort of be in collaboration with as many project directors as I could. I feel mutual about that, Ron, just in terms of our relationship. If I come back to, you know, a couple points that you made that you know, the role and significant leadership of the Pacific Institute, Lou and John McNeil, uh, uh, profiled in the Better LA Project. For me as a, um, a partner with the Institute, it was those type of projects that really made me fall deeper in love with what we were doing. And I was so proud of the work that was done. And it, you know, pre was uh, led by work we did in Northern Ireland or work that we did in South Africa or work that we did in Guatemala. And, and then for me, I was really uh, interested in, and aware that was going on with the Better LA. So it was the first project that I was sort of 
running along the side, kind of watching and observing. Um, and, you know, it was part of the value proposition that the Pacific Institute for me was so attractive was not only are we, you know, trying to make a difference in the world, but we, we really put priority on, on making a difference. And so, you know, that's why I'm so glad you mentioned John McNeil, because John's, you know, if I think of John McNeil, I think of heart and just sort of his, his spirit has always been to make a difference in, in places that were underserved. You know, the other thing for me in, in the 2000s and the 2004 global conference was I had the, you know, sort of the comfort zone stretch of being the MC, co-MC with Laurel Manegg. And one of my clients was being profiled because they had significant performance outcomes that they got. And that conference was an interesting conference because it, it resulted in a book called The Culture of Excellence. And what it was, was sort of what, I, what we started in 2000, 1995 with the work on culture. 10 years later, we were bringing the evidence to show that in fact, if you focused on culture, and used applied psychology to make the shift of your culture, there was performance outcomes. And so it was me, you know, the time didn't go that fast because I was, you know, working to, to be gainfully employed, but it was such a validation that, you know, 10 years later, we were now seeing the, the return on investment that our clients were making on, on culture. You know, mm -hmm. the other, the other thing was our, our client group was changing again to the Caterpillars and the Toyotas and, you know, sort of the fortune 500 companies or, or extended further at the same time, um, you know, the educational portfolio led by Joe Pace, Dr. Pace was also getting established and, you know, you were better you had better sight line on that than I did and so can you talk a little bit about that work because it was substantive yeah yeah that's exactly what I was thinking as you were uh, talking I said that's where I want to go next Joe Pace uh, his uh, Joe Pace uh, had a doctorate and his you know in um you know, I think it was it's it's a related field in terms of efficacy. But Joe, Joe's uh, business experience before he came with the Pacific Institute is that he was he he was a president of a career school, private career school, and and uh, Joe came on board with us. I mean, going back to maybe the late '80s, actually early '90s. Uh, it, it's interesting. There there's a story about John McNeil and Joe Pace and how. John sort of helped Joe get started, but Joe, in addition to having a doctorate, you know, in, you know, psych psychology, uh, was a heck of a businessman, still is a heck of a businessman. He's, he's still with us. Uh, he tried to retire a few years ago and, and he's back, you know, because, you know, he's, he has more fun. He has more fun working, but Joe, uh, uh, he, he came up, the businessman in him, you know, he came up with a package uh, to uh, sell our education to career schools and have the career schools pass the education onto their students. Mm. Uh, and uh, he developed a whole market and really saturated that market, I think, in the 2000s, for example. I mean, Joe's, 
contribution, his productivity, you know, to the Institute was significant uh, in terms of our overall revenues. And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, Joe, uh, uh, Joe put together also too uh, a, a collection of uh, career school college presidents, you know, that were their own fraternity, their own uh, mm. study group, if you will. And uh, anyway, uh, Joe uh, Joe is a really good teacher as well, but he was also a really good marketer of our education, and he designed this this system. I don't know. Hundreds of colleges uh, uh, are involved in, you know, that that network of career schools, uh, yeah. and to this day, you know, they uh, they're still connected with the institute. You know, uh, along the the trail of of expanding into different sectors and and deepening not just in communities but uh, career colleges and schools. We would also, we'd spend quite a bit of time and you specifically spent a fair amount of time working on sports projects. And, yeah. you know, so tell us a little bit about that and then we'll wrap up the, you know, the, the session with finishing off with, with the sports part. But from the very beginning, Lou was interested in athletes and sports and football and, and quite often, I mean, it's amazing the the ratio of NFL players to uh, other companies. I, I think the Pacific Institute had the lion's share of retired NF, NFL uh -huh. players. But tell us a sort of the sports view of the uh, of of the and the relationship to the Pacific Institute. Yeah, yeah. Well, with Lou being a coach, and you know, we had we've always had a number of athletes, you know, that work with the Institute. Um, it was only natural, you know, to have sports projects, you know, interestingly, you know, uh, even though we've had a lot of high profile sports projects, like working with Pete Carroll, uh, and, you know, like at the University of Southern California, Fred Akers at the University of Texas, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I've worked with uh Nick Saban at the University of Alabama. We we've had a team that's worked with them during during some of their championship years. Uh, we work with the USA uh, Olympic swim team, uh, and uh, Mark Schubert was a coach there as a graduate. And and anyway, uh, different organizations. You know, over the years, uh, we work with the Phoenix Suns basketball in the NBA way back, you know, in the early 70s. And interesting, even today here, 50 years later, we, we have a relationship with the, the Phoenix Suns as well. And, you know, some of their young players are going through our education sort of as we speak, you know. So anyway, uh, but what, uh, uh, these sports projects are fun. Uh, and uh, uh, but they, they really have only represented maybe like 5%, you know, of our, of our business yeah. over the years. So it was like, uh, the, the, the spice in the recipe, you know, yeah. uh, the fun, the fun spice in the recipe, we'd have sports projects going and we'd be sort of rooting for teams and, yeah. you know, the Edmonton Oilers was another, you know, uh, high profile, yeah. uh, project with the hockey team up there in Ed Edmonton. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's always been a part of the Pacific Institute. 
you know, I, I was also interested in sports and interested in, in performance. And so therefore was always curious and intrigued and fascinated by the work that you had done or Lou had done with, you know, different sports clubs, teams, and individuals. I mean, what was the guy from LA uh, hit the home run? Uh, Kurt Gibson. Kurt Gibson. And so there's all these, you know, wonderful historical stories of, of and we'll, we'll maybe have a segment on sports successes. For me, the idea of sports and having sports projects has always been attractive, not you know, and I like the way you said it, it's sort of the spice, it's sort of the, you know, add some different fun to it. But it's also such a great way of learning because sports is so transparent in its performance that you can actually, you can see self-talk, you know, you can see mm -hmm. comfort zones, you can see it. So I often, you know, love being an observer to your wonderful work with the U.S. Olympic. I remember I was trying to get to work with the Canadian Olympic team and you guys, you swim team, and you were working with the U.S. swim team. And I was thinking, well, this isn't even fair because you guys had Phelps and and uh, Lahi and all those guys. And here we were, little Canadians were trying to, you know, take a swing at Goliath. Uh, and then you had the secret recipe of you. Uh, so anyways, uh, it was always fun. Let me pause here uh, and, you know, maybe just give a chance to... Um, for me, a couple things that I would add to the party is that throughout the evolution of the Pacific Institute in the first 30 years now where we're at, or um, is was there was also and we'll we'll talk to these folks in the future, but there was the contributions of, of you know, from China, and the the terrific story of the China TPI China or the, the relationship that we had with TPI Japan and, and the, the diversity that that brought to us through different contexts that Lou developed or, or you know, our Australian partners who always seem to be one step ahead of where we are. They sort of see things earlier and they're really a significant performer or the heart and spirit of our South African colleagues and just their, their dedication to making a difference in, in tougher situations. And, you know, our, our Latin America or Central America or our Mexican partners and just, you know, the, the, the players that I'm so proud to have international teammates that are, mm -hmm. you know, consistent to our mission, but really have the heart and the spirit and, you know, the intention that we all share. Uh, anything that triggers just as we're closing up this, this segment of the history? Yeah, the, the the way that you just described that those uh, international projects and sort of the, uh, the different cultures, you know, that we've been exposed to, I I think for me one of the common denominators is, and again, it's it comes back to our our brand, you know, and our business that you know our business is Western psychology uh, for the most part. It's cognitive psychology. And it's been amazing to me, uh, the cross-cultural sort of application that yeah. it has. Uh, I, I did mention earlier that, you know, when we went to Saudi Arabia, there were some things that we needed to make adjustment in the curriculum, but it was more like cosmetic things that, you know, that we needed to change. Uh, uh, we couldn't talk about Lou having a bar barbecue and roasting a pig because that was culturally yeah. insensitive, you know, just yeah. little stuff like that. But 
the psychology itself, you know, how the mind works, how creativity works, you know, how people can achieve more of their potential. It's amazing to me uh, how cross-cultural, you know, those wisdoms, you know, and those learnings, you know, turned out to be. And, yeah. and so it's, uh, again, it's, uh, aren't we lucky, Greg? I mean, I just feel like I've been so lucky to have, you know, be able to tell this story uh, and having sort of been through the whole process of it all, uh, I couldn't have, you know, wished for anything better. Yeah. And, and so I feel I'm very grateful <clears throat> for that. Yeah, well, I am, I share the same gratitude and, and lucky and just uh, so fortunate to have something that I have to do in my life that really is, is on purpose and with on spirit and, you know, on mission. So well, let me pause there. We'll catch you next time on the kitchen table. Be well, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast with the Pacific Institute. If you like what you heard today, click the like button or perhaps share this podcast with friends and family. For more information on TPI or how to get in contact with us, please visit www.tpikitchentable.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. See you next time at the kitchen table.